Hello, everyone. This is Rasa with a favor to ask before we start the show. If you love listening to You Must Know Everything as much as we love making it, please recommend it to a friend, family member, coworker, classmate, teacher, babysitter, anyone and everyone in your circle and beyond. Word of mouth recommendations like yours make the biggest difference. And one more thing. We now have a You Must Know Everything online store with amazing and exclusive t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs, including, of course, kid sizes. Please follow the store link on our website, youmustknoweverything.com, to check it out, show your support, and spread the love that way, too. Thanks so much, and on with the show. Hello, Rasa. Hi, Dad. How are you today? I am wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it, but are you ready to have your brain filled with facts? Yes, I am! Well, let's go know everything! Today, I want to talk to you about an expression people sometimes say, which I have found to be true. And that expression is, the last 10% of any project is half the work. Ha! What that means is you can get almost done with something pretty easily, but then really, truly finishing, making it great, that's going to require the same amount of effort that it took you to get to almost done. Can you give me an example? Yes. Say I'm deep cleaning my office. I work for three hours and get everything 90% put away. Straight clothes are in my closet, books are back on the shelves, my papers are organized, my bills are paid. It's still going to take me another three hours to get the last little things done, according to this theory. For example, maybe on my desk, there's a letter from an old friend I haven't responded to for months. Rereading the letter, writing my opening, then my apology, then my own wise, warm, witty update. That could take an hour all by itself. And that's not counting the time. Call it 30 minutes to look up his address, find an envelope and stamp, and actually go to the mailbox and send the letter. There might be also an old phone book I just want to throw away, but really I know I should take to the recycling center. That's 45 minutes. And what about a pile of spare change from my trip to Vancouver? What am I going to do with $2.47 in Canadian change? Should I save it? Toss it? Start an art project? Is there some charity where you can send in foreign change? Well, I should probably look online. That's 45 minutes more. So there you go. Three hours to do the three last little things. The same time it took to do absolutely everything else. Oof. Depressing, right? At that rate, why start anything at all? But one day my perspective flipped. Then I realized the good side of the equation. If the last 10% of a project is half the work, it means the first half of the job, if you do just that, you'll get 90% done. Oh, yeah. Again, take cleaning my office. Yes, after three hours, I'd still have the letter, the phone book, the Canadian quarters, but everything else would be cleaned up, dealt with, sorted, organized, and accomplished. That's great. Yay! Or say I'm writing a book, and I really want to get 10 pages done, and it would take me all week to write those pages and make sure they were totally perfect. Well, 
I just don't have that kind of time anymore. I've got a kid. And yet, sorry, 90% of 10 pages means, okay, with half the effort, I get nine pretty good pages done. Not 10 perfect pages, but nine pretty good pages is still a lot more than nothing, isn't it? Yeah. Now, what's crazy is this idea can be extended indefinitely. If you can get 90% of the outcome with half the work, that means you could get 90% of 90% of the outcome with half of half the work. In other words, 80% of the outcome with a quarter of the work. I could have eight decent pages with just a quarter of my time, or I could get my room 80% clean with only a little more than an hour of effort. But hey, sometimes I do this and you tell me that it's not clean enough and to go back and do more. I'm so glad you said this because it gets to the heart of this equation. It only works if you're 100% that you had before was really good. If you get awesome at cleaning your room, then 90% of that's fine. But if after three hours, there's still clothes on your floor, the books are spread out, you're distracted watching something on the iPad when I come in and say, what's happening here? Then it's not going to work to do half the effort and get 90% of the results, much less 80% of it in a quarter of the time. So you still want to work, especially when you're a kid, especially before you have a kid or something like that, on being the best you can be. So when it's time to give half the effort and get 90% of the result, 90% of the result will be just fine. Well, I have to say, I'd give that theory a 100%. Are you ready for today's poem? Yes, I am. It's called Grove by Chris Dombrowski. Labyrinthine, lanky stemmed, dew magnified, sermonless, naked, aphid chewed. Whiskered, debtless, solipsistic, stained with sparrow droppings, wind ruddering, spared from squirrels' nests, diseased, quixotic, turned away from rain, squatters, hangers on, about to be unhinged, prodigal, the leaves, the earth accepts. Wow, it's a beautiful poem. May I read it? Please. Grove by Chris Dombrowski. Labyrinthian. Lanky stemmed. Dew magnified. Sermonless. Naked. Aphid. Chewed. Whiskered. Debtless. Solipsistic. Stained with sparrow droppings. Wind ruddered. Spared from squirrels' nests. Diseased, quixotic, turned away from the rain, squatters, hangers-on, about to be unhinged, prodigal leaves, the earth accepts. That's a tongue twister. This poem starts with, I counted about 16 different adjectives. What is an adjective? An adjective is... Something that describes a person, place, or thing. Yes. In this case, it is not a person. It is not a place. What is the thing being described by all these adjectives? 
leaves. Exactly. It is so long and elaborate and fancy. And I know that you've got a big vocabulary, but there's still probably words here you did not understand. Labyrinthine. That means like a labyrinth, like a maze. Yeah, I kind of got that. Solipsistic. That means you think you're the center of the universe, like you're the sun. Yeah, I did not get that. Quixotic. That means you're like the book character Don Quixote. You go on crazy missions that don't make a lot of sense and you're not likely to succeed. Huh? And other ones you totally did know. Lanky stemmed, do magnified, naked, whiskered, debtless. Means mm -hmm. you don't owe any money. Yep. All of these things turn out to be describing something pretty simple. What? Leaves. Yeah. And I love how he sets this grand entrance of over a dozen descriptions for something so simple that we might otherwise see in just one way or maybe not even see at all. Yeah, that is really cool. So let's take the 16 adjective challenge. What's something you think people don't appreciate enough in life? Slugs. Slippery, slimy, tentacled. Cute. Antenna clad, suction cupped. Pale. Plump. Hungry, quiet, slithery. Illiterate, they can't read. Innumerate, they can't count. Almost infinite, there are a lot of them once you start to notice them. Yeah. Sneaky. Vulnerable. Small. Terrestrial, they're part of the earth. Mm -hmm. Omnivore. Do they eat anything and everything? Well, they eat leaves and they eat worms, so. Worm swallowing. I think that's about 16. And we didn't even include the most important one in this case. Inspirational indeed. Last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me? Yes, I do. My vexing question is, is it true that every snowflake is different? And if so, how is that possible with so many snowflakes in the world? Great question. I'll put my gloves on and hat, scarf up, and get to the library and find out the answer for you. Perfect. I'm back. And I've got the answer to your vexing question. Snowflakes form when trillions of tiny ice crystals come together in the sky. Those crystals are almost always hexagons, meaning six-sided shapes, but the way they build upon one another varies with temperature, humidity, and other factors. Right around the freezing point of water, for example, the crystals look like plates or prisms. Colder than that, and they look like needles. Even colder, columns. And coldest of all, they look like ferns. Lower humidity, meanwhile, makes the flakes flatter. Higher means they pop out more along the edges. Since each snowflake is made up of so many of these unique crystals, and each crystal's shape depends on the exact moment in time, space, temperature, and humidity it forms, yes, no snowflake is identical to any other. Picture a single snowflake being made up of a combination of every person 
ever born, for example. And then the next being formed by just as many different people, and you can understand why. You might not be able to tell the difference between snowflakes when you're sledding or shoveling or catching one on your tongue, but collect them by the billion, and you'll still never find two that are exactly alike. Whoa, I feel like my mind is going to explode and turn into a bunch of snowflakes. If each snowflake is like a billion people, then each snowman must be like a billion universes. True, but they still only have one carrot nose. You Must Know Everything is produced by me, Jeremy Smith, and her, Rasa Smith, with awesome music by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, or however you like to listen, and hear dozens of previous episodes for free. Please rate, review, and share the show with friends. And please join us next time for everything you need to know.